Man, I am excited about this season. I'm excited about things that God's doing here at Vintage. Uh, as most of you know who've been here, uh, next Sunday is the beginning of taking up our year-end offering. We do this every year, and this year is no different. We are excited. This year we're doing a couple of different things in case you don't know. Number one, we are investing inside the four walls of Vintage. I've been telling you that we are really we're pursuing and and praying into and looking and going after land here at Vintage because we've, we've got a real clear word from God that he's saying, plant your roots deep because I want you here long term. Right? I have things that I want to do through you at Vintage to plant your roots deep because the community needs you. And so we've been faithful in that. So I'm not going to dive too far into it except to know that by the time we get to the end of the year, there's a high likelihood that we will have already purchased a piece of land here in Paulding County. Uh, we've been doing due diligence. Um, I'm not giving too many details because there's still things that are being worked out, but obviously that's just a few weeks away. Uh, we've been working on this literally uh, since nonstop for the last couple of years uh, in earnest uh, in the sense of like looking at different pieces of property for, really for the last six months, uh, like working with different people and kind of doing stuff. And so we're at a place now where we've kind of landed and we're moving forward, and we feel really good about it. Uh, so I just so all that to say that when we give, we're not giving towards some hypothetical day that we buy a piece of land and then plant on it. That no, we kind of have an idea of what that's going to look like, where it's going to be, and what we're doing. As we get closer to the date and we kind of land more on that, I'll give you more specifics. Uh, but I'm kind of holding back because the last thing we want to do is say we've got something. I'm just kidding. We don't. And they keep on doing it back and forth, right? So all that to say, there is something out there. It has a it has an address and a name, and so we'll see what that's going to look like. And as we get closer to that, and things kind of land with that, we will let you know. So that's exciting, very exciting, isn't it? All right, very good. Yeah, I'm excited. The second thing about our year-end offering is every year we give outside of our four walls, right? We give to ministries that we're partnered with. Last week we talked about Faith Bridge, the community we're partnered with doing foster care. Uh, you met, you got to see Bill, the CEO, president. Isn't it crazy? Bob, excuse me, not, Bob, not Bill. Take that off the uh, podcast. No, his name's Bob. Uh, but uh, so Bob's great. And he, I'll be honest with you, he came last week. I mean, he was moved, right? It was powerful for him. And it's really, really cool that out of all the churches that he came to, he came to Vintage. And for us, that was a sign of like, hey, there's a level of influence that we have and the things that we're plugged into that the president and CEO of this large corporation who, who hangs out all the times with senators and lobbyists on the state hill, right, or, or the capital, at the capital of Georgia, he is here hanging out with Vintage 242. And that was huge for us. And so, so that's exciting. So we're, we're blessing them this holiday season. But also we're connecting with two other ministries called Shepherd's Rest and Cobb Street Ministries. Now, Shepherd's Rest was established in 1997 and has to date provided emergency shelter for over 2,800 battered women and children. And has provided legal advocacy over the last 13 years to over 4,500 victims of domestic violence seeking protection against their abusers. And so we're excited to come alongside of this ministry. There's not a whole lot of people who are partnering with them, and so we are excited to do that. We're not just giving them finances. We're coming alongside. I know Josh and, and was it, uh, Tom Trostein went out there a couple weeks ago and did some work on the house that where, where, this, where, they, where they bring these women and children. And so we're excited to come alongside of them. The second one is Cobb Street Ministries. It works with women escaping abusive relationships or mothers and children with no means of support. They offer long-term housing. Housing, life skills development, job and housing services, and spiritual guidance for women in need. And I would say if you've ever connected with either of these ministries, you've ever connected with the, the, the women who are leading these ministries, you are around them for five minutes and your life has changed. 
literally. I mean, Randall's been around them a, a fair amount. She, come, every, she doesn't notice it, but every time she comes home, she's like, oh my gosh. I mean, right? These women are just moving so mightily in the movement of God, just in the, in the hands of God being used by God. And so we're excited about this partnership. This from the past, we're, we're excited about today's partnership, and we're even more excited about partnership tomorrow. So your year-end offering helped to plant our roots deep in, the, in this community so that we can continue to be a blessing to, to everyone around us, but primarily to these ministries that we're partnered with. So as you give, starting next week, right, making checks payable to Vintage 242 Church, recognize that we are doing it for community transformation, not so I can buy a nicer car, right? We're doing it ultimately for the purpose of blessing and being a blessing in our community. Now, with that, I've got to tell you a story, okay, from this week. How many of you, now, honest here, how many of you are country music fans? Put your hands high, okay. How many of you listen to Kicks 101.5? Put your hands up, okay. All right, so I was driving the other morning. I'm going to tell you the story. This, it was, it was, it was, so I want you to know, like, this story, like, I'm telling you because I was, like, I was in my car in tears, okay? So I'm driving down the road, I start moving channels, and I, and I push the button to go to the next channel, and it kicks 101.5, and, and, I, and so I'm listening, and then Cadillac, he does, you know, radio personality in the morning, and his, and his co-partner, whatever, partner, Dallas there, but Cadillac's talking, saying, hey, this morning, we're going to play our whatever it's called game where you can win $1,000, right? Basically, it's 10 questions in 60 seconds. You get $10 per question, or if you get all 10 in 60 seconds, you get $1,000. So we're going to play this game, and, you're get, and you, get to, you get to meet Betsy Richardson from Carrollton, Georgia. I'm going to go ahead now and play the phone conversation that we had with Betsy when she found out that she got to play the game this week. And all of a sudden, it clicks to Betsy. She goes, guys, you're not going to, I just cannot believe this. This is just so amazing. She goes, Cadillac and Dallas, I was actually, I was sitting at church on Sunday. And our church is building a building. And so it was our Sunday for taking up a building offering. And I sat before God in church and said, God, how much would you have me give? And I have to admit, guys, he asked me to give a lot more than I was comfortable with and much more than I was anticipating. But I said, God, I will be obedient to you because I know that you will provide for all of my needs. Not once, right? She said needs, provide for all of my needs. And, And she said, and I just can't believe it. And here this morning, I literally do this. And then the next thing I know is I'm getting a phone call from the two of you that I get to play a game where I could make up to $1,000. Isn't that just so funny of God that he would literally say, I'm, cause because of your faithfulness and obedience, he gives me this game. He goes, listen, I may win $10 and get one question right. I may win 50 or I may win 1000 But at the end of the day, all it does is tell, tells me about God's faithfulness. So I'm hooked, right? I'm sitting there on a way to an 8.30 meeting. I get to my destination, and Cadillac comes back on and says, and we'll be playing this game in four minutes. I'm like, oh, my gosh, because I'm already, like, emotional. I'm like, I literally already have tears in my eyes, right? And so I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, so all of a sudden, four minutes passes, and Cadillac comes on and says, hey, Betsy from Carrollton, glad to have you on. Excited to play the game today. Ten questions, six seconds. Are you ready to start? And she goes, yes, I'm ready to start, right? So first question, boom, she nails it. Second question, nails it. Third question, nails it. Fourth question, she nails it. I'm getting excited, right? Fifth question, she nails it. Sixth question, nails it. Seventh question, I'm like getting like, ah, right? Eighth question, she nails it. Ninth question goes, 
Betsy, can you tell us what the name of the Ferris wheel is in Atlanta? Now, you can pass and come back. She goes, uh, I'm like, no, right? Come on, Betsy. I have no idea what it is, but come on, Jesus, help her out, right? So she goes, pass. Gets to the 10th question. The 10th question is simply, who was the first president to be an Eagle Scout? JFK. So she gets it. And I'm like, come back. She goes, what's the name of the Ferris wheel? She goes, uh, Skyview. Oh, right? Dallas and Cadillac lose it. Right? They're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Betsy, you did it, you did it. This is so great. She's like, um, and you hear Betsy, I'm so emotional, right? I'm just so emotional, so emotional. I can't believe this. And Cadillac again goes, can you believe this, Betsy? You were sitting at church. God gave you a number. You weren't comfortable, but you were faithful anyway and obedient. And all of a sudden, God brought you here and you won a thousand dollars. And then Dallas goes, you didn't win a thousand dollars, Betsy. Cadillac and her are so moved by your willingness to be obedient to God and to be a blessing to others in this season. We're each throwing in a hundred dollars and you've now taken home twelve hundred dollars. And I'm like, hey, right? Now I tell the story not because I'm not looking at you saying, so give above and beyond to be uncomfortable. I'm simply saying this. I walked away not looking at the number. I'm not looking at the, hey, you know, give and God will bless you. I'm looking at it going, Look what happens when people actually listen to Jesus. Like, you see how that theology has been twisted, right? Give and God will get back. And so he will give like, yeah, so I'm giving to get something. But the, the correct theology is, is I'm obedient, God is faithful. Is I'm faithful to be obedient in relationship. He is always faithful. Not to give me my wants, because that's selfishness. No, he promises to meet every single one of my needs according to his riches in glory. And I sat there that day going, God, I mean, I don't even know why I'm so emotional. I think I'm just so emotional when I recognize your faithfulness on Kicks 101.5. The gospel's being preached, guys. I mean, and Dallas and Cadillac, they're both like in tears, and Betsy's in tears, and I'm in tears. And I'm like, this is so good. I get out of the car, and I'm meeting David Eldridge, the pastor at Stonebridge. I said, you're not going to believe the story, right? And we just sat there, and he's just like laughing, and I'm in tears telling the story at Reveille and breakfast, right? And I'm like, oh, God. And here's the takeaway, right? As we come into our own year and offering, I am simply saying to you, Listen to Jesus. Because here's the funny thing. You may listen to Jesus, and he may know a difficult season's coming, and he may have you give less than you were anticipating. And that's fine. Because if you really listen and say, I was praying, Stephen, I felt like God put this number on our family's heart. I'm like, that is so awesome. And if you've given above and beyond, that's awesome, too, because what I believe is simply this. As we come and as we invest into his kingdom, as we're obedient to what he calls us to do with our time, with our money, with our energy, and with our resources, he is faithful to meet us and to bless us according to the needs that we have. Why? And it's simple. Because he's faithful. And this morning we're going to dive into the story, this reality of God's faithfulness in the context of the Christmas season. All of us understand intuitively this, this definition of faithfulness, right? Firmness in or consistency specifically in a relationship or firmness and consistency or, or in, in anything. Like every morning the sun is consistent to rise, correct? 
Every morning, the, the sun is faithful to, to come up because God has created it to do so. Why? So that we can have light during the day. You may not see it because it may be cloudy, but the sun is up. How do we know? Because there's light. Every day, God causes the sun to arise because it is faithful. He is faithful to us. But we think about faithfulness usually primarily in the context of relationships. This idea of God being faithful, an idea for us being faithful in the context of relationships. If a husband is exercising faithfulness, it means he is unswerving in his commitment and unchanging in his devotion to his wife. Husband, spouse is faithful, unswerving in commitment, unchanging in devotion. But each of us know that faithfulness in humanity is important. Each of us know that faithfulness in humanity also has an opposite expression of unfaithfulness, right? Like we all understand. If I were to talk to you today about my faithfulness to my wife, Randall, you would understand that, right? Although I am faithful in the moment, we also, there's a possibility, God forbid, of me being unfaithful. Why? Because we all are frail human beings. We all have the, this the ability to, to make mistakes. We all have the ability to fail. But scripture says, oh, look at what heights you have fallen from, Adam. Like, they're literally living in perfection, and there's this action of unfaithfulness. And so we all recognize in the context of our humanity, each of us, in the midst of faithfulness, there's an opposite that we compare to of being unfaithful. And so if I were to say, I am, like, as a, as a pastor, I'm faithful to vintage, others of you can go, because I've known pastors that aren't. And you compare faithfulness versus unfaithfulness. And so in the context, it's important to note that God's faithfulness is not like this. God's faithfulness is not in comparison to his ability to be unfaithful. God's faithfulness is not, God's faithfulness does not have an opposite. And herein lies the truth about Jesus and the greatest difference between God and humanity. We may be able to discuss similar traits that we have, God's love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness, right? All of these pieces. But it's important to recognize that God's traits don't have alternatives where ours do. He can only be faithful. He can only be kind. He can only be loving. He will always and forever then be perfect without, without blemish in all of these traits that define him, God is faithful. This is important. Because I say these words and you're like, I'm waiting to get to the good stuff, Steve. I'm waiting for you to wow me with something because it is the holiday season, right? I know the story. Do something to wow me to make the story become even more alive to me because I've been, you've been so, become so numb hearing the story over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you sit here and already know what's going to be said by any pastor because there's only been one Christmas story and it's been talked about 16 million different ways. And being up in growing up in church, you've known most of those things. And so what you have to do then and like Harvest talked about in the song naming wonderful, is that you have to then say, God, reawaken. As if I'm hearing this story for the very first time, God, awaken me to the wonder that you can't be unfaithful to me ever. And then what does that mean in the context of how you view relationship with me? 
You can't be unfaithful to me. You can't be unfaithful to us. You literally cannot be unfaithful to the church in general. You are perfect in all of your ways. This is amazing. This is overwhelming. In a sense, what you could say is that God, in the moment of his first coming, the first advent, he had to move. There was no option for him not to move. He had to move. Why? Because he's always faithful. He's faithful to what? He's faithful to these different components of relationship with his people. God literally had to move because in the moment he looked down into his relationship that he had with humanity, and he saw our brokenness. He saw the darkness, we said, right? He saw how death was running rampant, and he said, because I am faithful, I I can't just sit back and do nothing. I have to move. I am compelled by the traits that define me, by my love, by my faithfulness. I will move. That's what he does. And so this morning, we have to ask the question, well, what is it about his relationship? Why? Why does he have to move? What does that even mean for us this morning? And recognize this is an important piece. Everything that compelled Jesus to move in the first advent, the first coming, Christmas, what compelled him still compels him today because we are still his people who he is in relationship with. The first thing is that Jesus is faithful to his promise. Jesus is faithful to his promise. In Genesis chapter 12, going all the way back to Abram, God made this promise. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. God has promised Israel to make her into a great nation, to be her God, to fight for and defend her and empower her to be a light for God, a light of God to the nations. But they're in this leading up to leading up to Jesus coming, they're they're bound in exile. They're in captivity, right? This word's being spoken in the moment when they're not yet a people fully, because it's still just Abram, right, and his wife, and they're going to become a nation. But then they become a nation, and all of a sudden they get put in exile, right? And we see this tension, we see this frustration that God's promised these things, but they're living the opposite of it. They're bound. They're in exile. God saw them, and they knew that they needed him. They needed salvation. They needed to be set free. And because he is faithful, unswerving in his commitment, he had to come. That's why in the middle of their exile, in the middle of this tension, God looking down at them, his people, his family, the ones that he loved, he speaks to the prophet Jeremiah just to remind them, That he is faithful, he says in chapter 33, verse 14. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. Like, I love that. So the day is coming where I'm going to fulfill the promise I made to them to make them a great nation. In those days and at that time, 
I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Like you recognize in this period of time where many, many, many years, decades have passed, God's coming saying, I see the exile, I remember the promise, and I am faithful to my promise. God had promised to save his people. He was faithful to that promise, for God always fulfills his promise. That's why this morning we celebrate Jesus' very last words spoken in Matthew. Do you know what they are? Do you know what he spoke to them to fill them with courage about the making, sure they un- he, making sure they understood that he understood the promise that he made? And he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's faithful to his promise. I will make you a great nation. I will cause you to live no longer in exile. I will release you from the power of death. I will move in your life. He is faithful to his promise. He literally looks at his disciples and says, In my first coming, I set you free, and I will never leave you. Scripture says, I will be with you in the form of the Holy, in the person of the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of decay. I will be with you and give you life, and then I will come again someday to completely release you from it. But his promise is, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He is faithful to his promise. He was faithful in coming. He is faithful to be with us, and he is faithful to come again. Faithfulness equates confidence in the context of a relationship. Like, I have to say that when Randall goes off with girlfriends and they're going to go have a good time somewhere, whatever that may look like, I don't go, oh, my gosh, I wonder if she's going to stay faithful while she's gone. I wonder if she's going to cheat on me and find somebody better looking with bigger muscles and a little bit taller than me, Right? I wonder if she wants someone who's not a pastor, right? Because that's not always the easiest. Like, I don't ever sit there and sit back and go, oh, my gosh, what if we don't make it? Like, you know that's a gift, right, in the culture in which we live. Like, you recognize that my confidence in her faithfulness causes me to be excited when she goes away because she can have a good time and I'm not sitting at home like going, oh, crap, Jesus, please don't let her cheat on me. I've never prayed that ever. Can I just walk in confidence of her faithfulness? Could she fall? Absolutely. Will she, by God's grace, never? We live with faithfulness representing confidence. Do we live in confidence? in relationship of his promise to us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. I mean, that's why Jesus says, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Why, God? Because I'm faithful. I can, I can literally put you on a radio station with Cadillac and Dallas and meet all of your needs. If I can do that, by God, I can do anything. The second thing we see in the context is he's faithful to relationship. He is faithful to relationship. In chapter 2 of Matthew, when Herod and he all of a sudden heard the king of all kings had been born. He called together all the priests and teachers of the law to ask, Hey, where's the Messiah going to be born? In verse 4, they said to him, quoting scripture, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. 
Okay, Steve, what does that have to do with faithful to relationship? Real simple. God calls us my people. Like, you remember that moment when you realized you had a my people? Like, you felt cool? That's my people. That's my clan. That's my tribe, man. That's my family. And all of a sudden, you just exhaled because you knew you had a place to belong a place where you felt accepted, a place that you knew you could rest, a place you knew you could burp and fart and it'd be completely okay because that's what you do in family. You know what I'm talking about? A place you could be you, a place in my family. You can't miss the, this, this phrase that denotes ownership. It denotes relationship, my people, God speaking, my family, my people. All of us want to have a people. We all want to belong. Israel was God's people. He came for them. We are God's people. God is faithful to his commitment to family. God is faithful to us. And do we live in the confidence of this? Because our struggles become when we have these wants, these expectations of how God should move. Everybody pay attention. Our great tension with God's faithfulness is when he doesn't move in the way that we think he should move in the time in which we think he should move. That's where our lack of trust in God's faithfulness occurs. Something drastic happens. We're like, oh, right. And God says, I didn't promise you perfection. I promised you a fallen world, but my promise was to be with you in the midst of it. Like that's the tension we live in. We live in the context of tension and his faithfulness to never leave us because he will come again someday to release us from all the pain that hell has brought to us. And in the midst of that pain that hell has brought, he says, I will be with you even if you die because I am with you and I will bring you into eternity. Well, because I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm faithful to meet you. I'm faithful to meet all of your needs. God is faithful to his commitment to his family. God is faithful. That's the picture of the first coming. It's the picture of what he promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's the promise he's given us he will come again. Why? Because he can't leave us here. Like, let me just press pause real quick. And I know this is sensitive. But you know that death is a gift so that we can leave brokenness to go to perfection. It was, he didn't give us death on earth because he hated us. He did it because he loved us too much to leave us here living in the hell of it. So we can come one day and redeem it fully, remove and break the back enemy forever and completely cast them away. It says, now let's live together as family in the context of perfection. The third piece that we see is that he is faithful as a defender. He is faithful as a defender. Jesus brought us victory. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says this. Since the children have flesh and blood, talking about us, since the children of God, the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who are all their lives, who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus coming and saying, listen, humanity has flesh and blood, so I came to share in their humanity so that I could then die for them and set them free from the power of the enemy. 
And we celebrate that he's faithful. He was faithful to come. The thrill of hope at Christmas that we sing about is found in our knowledge that Jesus came to earth to break the power of the one who'd enslaved us under the power of sin and death. He came to disarm the enemy, triumphed over him, so we have life to its fullest, right? We still have a, we still have to face our enemy. We still have to face our enemies. The enemy has been overthrown. This is important. He's been overthrown, but not abolished. He still prowls about looking for those who can kill, steal, and destroy. But the promise of the cross and the promise of the resurrection is that those who know Jesus Christ as Lord, lover, and friend will no longer be ultimately defeated by the enemy. Instead, along with Jesus... They will make their enemy their footstool. Satan and everything with which he enslaved humanity has been defeated and victory has been granted to the followers of Jesus. The illegitimate ruler who held humanity in miseries and in bondage, he's been crushed. He still prowls about. We still feel the effects. But even in the midst of it, like Stephen, in the middle of a stoning, he looks up and he just basks in the glory of God And this doesn't matter. That's not just a testimony of one who's being murdered. It's the testimony of all of us who in the midst of the hell and the brokenness and the fear and these things that come against us, he says, I've come through my cross and I've raised you above. You may still see it and feel the effects of it, but this does not define you. Christmas. First coming, Advent. Now he says, listen, I literally, because I'm faithful, I literally can't leave you. Like, do you know how many things that God can't do? They're innumerable. He can't be unfaithful. He can't be unloving. He can't ever be not at peace, right? He can't ever not be kind. He is faithful, loving, kind, peace-filled. That's who he is. He is faithful. And so Emmanuel, God with us, we celebrate that with great joy. Randall read it. We celebrate it with great joy because he is with us, because he is faithful, because he has to be faithful, because it's how he is. It's just who he is. It's the essence that defines him in context of relationships. He is unswerving in his commitment and his devotion to his people. Which then for us demands in some degree a response in the Christmas season. Because at Christmas season, right, we, we, we respond to his faithfulness. We, we focus on his first coming, stepping into brokenness, stepping into people who were in exile, slaves to fear, slaves to death. And he came and he broke the power of the enemy, right? We celebrate this Christmas that he is still with us. We celebrate that he's coming again and defines us. And the question we have to say is, then how are we devoting ourselves to this understanding of Jesus in the season? Or are we defined by Santa? Are we defined by the Hallmark Channel, right? You just cannot rip yourself away from watching those movies, right? Like, you can't, listen, we are so defined by gifts and family and hanging and all this type of stuff. Listen, and I'm not saying any of those things are inherently bad. They're not. All those things can be fine and good. But they have to They have to have this to the faithfulness and the joy of God who comes because he's loving and kind and faithful and unswerving in his devotion. And we have to respond. The three words that 
I want you to consider, and they'll be on the screen, but I want you to consider in this season in your own life. It's these three words. Are they up here for me? Here we go. Commitment, passion, and devotion. Commitment, passion, and devotion. As I step into the holiday season, I recognize God's fully committed to me. God, then how am I committed to you? Because isn't the nature of relationship is always two-sided? There's always a pursuit on both sides, mutual pursuit. God's pursued me, so I pursue him back. He is committed to me, so I am committed to him. He is passionate about me, so I'm passionate for him. He is devoted to me, so I am devoted to him. I don't give you these words to make you feel guilty in the holiday season going, oh my gosh, I watched seven hours of the Hallmark Channel yesterday. Oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. No, it's like, no. I was saying, God loves you. The reason you love Hallmark Channel commercial, excuse me, the, the movie is so bad. Because, well, because there's always like this love piece and there's always tension and it always reconciles itself, which just points you to someone that you're looking for who can do that. His name is Jesus. Like, like, have you ever wondered, women, why you, and I'm not picking on, like, I'm trying to be sexist, but why growing up, at least proverbially, they say that you love Cinderella because you're always looking for someone, a savior to come save you? Point you to a need for Jesus. Why do you always want the underdog to win? Because we're the underdogs, and we want to win, and only Jesus can do it. Commitment, passion. And devotion. This morning, as we come in, I invite us the worship team to come up and and to lead us. I, as we step into this 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 time of and and recognizing God's faithfulness and recognizing His love and recognizing His passion, recognizing His devotion for us. I want that to awaken the news of great joy that we step into the reality of God's faithfulness. Not going, oh my gosh, I'm so bad and you're so great. It's stepping in going, God, how can you love me as well? God, how can you love me? How can you be so committed, so passionate, and so devoted? And God, I want to just take time, Lord, and just be honest about where I am as worry, doubt, fear, and anxiety defining your life. It doesn't have to because he's faithful. Some of you come this morning and say, I feel the weight of I feel the weight of death. I feel the weight of worry. I feel the weight of the world upon me. And I want to say to you, and let's take some time this morning, have ministry teams who go ahead and come forward, who'll be available just to, to pray for the weight that you're dealing with. They want to pray for freedom. They want to pray for a break. They want to pray for the reality of God's faithfulness to overwhelm you in the holiday season. They want to pray for you that you would not be blinded this season to the truth of Jesus and his first coming, not not blinded to the truth of Jesus being with us, not blinded to the fact that he is coming again, not blinded to the truth of Jesus. And we want to pray for breakthrough and pray for restoration and pray for an awakening for you this morning. This is a, listen, it is good news of great joy for all the peoples. We're all the peoples. He wants to flood you today. So let me pray for us, and then you respond as the Lord leads. Father, you were good, you were kind, you were compassionate. You were faithful. And Lord, I just pray today very simply that you would awaken us to the truth and the reality and the power and the wonder all the things you can't do because you are perfect. 
pray today for each person here, Lord. God, maybe they're walking through the midst of their own hell. Maybe they're walking through the midst of death, trying to produce fear inside of them. Maybe they're walking in, the, in this place of fear, overwhelming. Maybe they're living in the place of just this numbness because, God, they've had expectations that weren't met. I pray today, Jesus, that you would overwhelm them with your robe dipped in blood, your eyes burning, burning with fire. God, to say, I have come to consume and defend defend you and and to consume everything that hell has brought against you. Jesus, we're praying for a breakthrough in your name. Amen. You respond to the Lord leads. We have offering baskets here. We have a little box right there and the giving kiosk outside. We have communion available right here. You come as the Lord leads and ministry teams on both sides. We're going to worship for a little while and the harvest is going to pray us out. But I invite you in this time to respond to God's faithfulness.